0: Welcome to Talos Takes, the security podcast for everyone from the C-suite to the front lines. All right, thanks everybody for joining us in another episode of Talos Takes. Today we are going to talk about LNK files. Uh, we recently published a blog about using LNK files for hunting and tracking and metadata, and today I am joined by the lead researcher on that research, Jeremy Venery. Thank you so much for joining me today. We Hey, thank you, Nick, for having me. All right. So before I get started, you know, you just recently wrote about how metadata from LNK files can be used for that tracking and hunting. Can you talk a little bit about what LNK files are and how you see them abused in the wild?
1: Yeah, of course. The LNK files are a type of file in an operating system that allow the user to reference an object into a another object into the computer right uh, they are mainly used the shortcuts to applications or folders so when you want to run some new application you can have a quick shortcut on the desktop to reach that application easily and they can also contain parameters to execute this application so for example if you have a powershell you can have a link to a powershell binary that executes a script that you want, right? So that's how they are usually used by a regular user. Thread actors tend to abuse this feature to execute malicious code instead of application that is uh, on the system. So they can execute PowerShell script or a VB script or even common uh, prompt tools that will allow them to download and execute next stage of their attack, right? Another yeah. feature of the, the link files is that they can have a specific icon too, and that uh, allows mm-hmm. the threat actors to disguise the, the link files as something else, like a PDF icon that is actually executing PowerShell.
0: Oh, okay. That, that makes perfect sense. Uh, one of the things that you talk a lot about is the ways that you can track actors via the metadata in these LNK files. Can you talk a little bit about what type of data is available in the metadata?
1: Yeah, so when uh, we create shortcut on the on the system, uh, the operating system adds some information about the machine where this file was created. So it tells, for example, what user created the shortcut, where the shortcut was on the oper- on the file system when it was created, what was the storage drive where this file was created. So it's easy to for the operating system to know when this file is moved so it can link back to the same file again. So this type of information we can use to correlate to a specific machine and identify what was the machine where this file was created, allowing us to connect this to a specific thread actor.
0: Okay, very interesting. Now, one of the things I noticed is the volume of files that you analyzed for this was pretty large. Um, And I don't think that adversaries would be manually creating all these files. So how are all these malicious LNK files being created?
1: Yeah, that's true. It's usually not easy to create huge volume of these files manually.
0: Link files are usually used in
1: the past by malware like uh, filing factors and uh, worms to spread to different devices or to uh, network devices, right? So uh, these were created automatically by the malware when they were infecting the machine. Now that uh, attackers are using this as an initial infection before the link files actually get to the victim, they need to create this on their own machines. So they started to using tools, like they, they developed tools to create, uh, to automate the creation of these files. So they can add parameters or icons automatically to these uh, link files and create hundreds of them to distribute on their campaigns.
0: Okay, that makes perfect sense. Now, I noticed that the usage of LNK files seemed to just explode or skyrocket in 2022. Can you talk a little bit about why we're seeing that?
1: Yeah, this this explosion in 2022 seems to match the changes that Microsoft introduced in Office macros. Uh, The usage of Office macros was very popular among threat actors in the past, but uh, Microsoft decided to start blocking Uh, macros in documents downloaded from the internet, which was the main vector of infection before, right? Mm -hmm. So once Microsoft introduced this change, the actors decided to look for something else, another way to to infect uh, machines without depending on this office feature, right? So Mm -hmm. link files were easy choice because they allow you to execute whatever you you want, basically any application, any script or code that you want. They are small, and they're easy to create, and you can add them to different type of containers. For example, it's very common to find ISO images or zip files with links inside. And when the user open one of these files, they see the link with a specific icon, for example, a PDF, and they think that this is a PDF that was inside the zip and just open it and execute the malware. So they were an easy choice for the threat Actors to, to change from the macros.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, you do spend a good chunk of time in the blog talking about how you can leverage this for things like actor tracking. Can you talk a little bit about what you found when you were doing that research?
1: Yes. Yeah, so when we started the, this research, I noticed that most of the link files associated with the same malware family, they tended to have similar metadata associated with that thread actor, right? So for example, when you look at files created to distribute QuackBot malware, I noticed that these link files always were created on a small subset of machines. Right? So I could associate these files to to QuackBot based on the serial number of the storage device where they were created. It -hmm. was was not like a worm where this is spread over different machines, but there was just like a few, five or six machines where these files were created. So uh, I could start tracking files that were associated with QuackBot based on the serial number of the metadata that is available there on the link file. Mm -hmm. And we could see that different operators of the QuackBot uh, botnet use different set of machines. So when you look at the QuackBot, you have different configuration IDs that identify a different botnet. Mm -hmm. We have the Obama, for example, ID, you have the AA ID, And these subsets of botnets, they never shared machines to create their infection payloads, right? So that way, I could differentiate between an infection that was part of the Obama from an infection that was part of the AAA botnets. Mm -hmm. Another interesting finding is that in some cases, the same machine that was used to create link files for the Obama botnet was used to create link files connected to another malware, Bumblebee, in this case. So we could say that the same guy that was operating the Obama botnet created link files to distribute the Bumblebee malware. And this uh, shows that the the, the group operating behind these botnets, they work with different types of malware, right? And this was found in other research. Mm -hmm. I show in my blog that uh, there was other research that was done connecting these different groups uh, by other means. So the link files were as another uh, connection that we found between these groups. Okay. And finally, the, the other finding from my research was the ability to track single thread actor over time. So in one of our res- uh, recent blogs about Gamma Redon, for example, we found some link files, and we noticed that most of these link files were created on the same machine. When you look at this serial number for this machine, over time, we noticed that the same machine was used in campaigns in 2017, 2019, 2020. So the same guy that created the campaign, the recent campaign, created the malware for the, the previous campaigns in, in, in previous years. So we could track then over time and see that this is the same person that is
0: doing this. Wow. That's one long-lived virtual machine or system anyway. Yes. <laughs> so um, you know, based on this, there's a lot of malicious LNK files out there. What are some things that defenders can do to either hunt or to be protected from these types of files?
1: Well, uh, link files by definition are something that shouldn't be leaving the local machine or the local network. In case of a network device, right? So, anytime that you see one of these link files in a place where they shouldn't be, like an email, an attachment to an email, you need to block them. That's the 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 low-hanging fruit there, you can just block any attachment that contains a link file inside the zip or a link file inside an ISO image, and that should kill most of these initial access methods that they use. In some cases, it's not easy to identify them. For example, Quackbot uses password protection for their zip files. Mm-hmm. So you need to ensure that your defensive tools like AVs and uh, EDR tools are properly configured and being monitored, and that should give you an idea of what suspicious activity is happening. For example, MSHTA running from Outlook process is not something that is common. So you need to investigate that, and that will probably give you an identification of some malicious activity coming from, from that MSHTA.
0: Okay, that makes perfect sense. All right, well, before we uh, we close up today, is there anything else you want to make sure folks are aware of related to the research or LNK files generally?
1: Yeah, I just want to remind people that this change in the trade actor behavior that we noticed last year, just show how fast they can adapt to changes, right? Microsoft announced the changes in macros and they immediately change it to something else. So you need to make sure that your protections are in place and you need to... Keep an eye for these opportunities of identifying more information about the threat actors. We show in our uh, blog that by monitoring these metadata in this type of files, you can identify and track them much easier than it would be if you didn't have this knowledge, right? So just keep an eye on this so we can keep ahead of the game.
0: All right. Well, great stuff. Thanks again for joining us today, Gui, and uh, thanks, y'all, for joining us for another episode of Talos Takes. Uh, we'll talk to you again later about another threat that's top of mind for us. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Rob.